Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it. And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Braid Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do, narrow in on their core genius, and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a podcast where we're talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go right there with you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome to episode number 39. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Today we're talking to online marketing genius Brian Clark of Rainmaker Digital, formerly Copyblogger Media, and also the host of the Unemployable Podcast. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help creative entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. One of the things I love about FreshBooks is just simply being able to invoice my clients and feel like a boss doing it. I was reminiscing whenever I first started freelancing, and I was literally designing all of my invoices in InDesign to make them look nice. Um, but FreshBooks has features where you can actually customize your invoice so that it is branded with your brand and your own logo. Um, also, whenever I invoice my clients and it's coming straight from FreshBooks, it makes me feel a little less, I don't know, funny about invoicing and asking for money. It almost feels like a virtual assistant inside a cloud accounting software system. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting specifically designed to help creative entrepreneurs who did not major in financing. They are there to help you run your business and make you look like a pro while doing it. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and select being boss in the how did you hear about us section. So today we're talking to online marketing genius, Brian Clark of Rainmaker Digital, formerly known as Copyblogger Media, and also the host of the Unemployable Podcast. Um, Brian, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, you're pretty loose with that genius word. (laughs) I mean, I was looking at your list of credentials and it's pretty genius. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I'll just shut up for once and take a compliment. (laughs) We're so glad to have you on. I was recently on your podcast, Unemployable, and uh, we totally geeked out together on branding. And we had such a good time that I wanted to continue the conversation over here on being boss. Um, so I know that you're fighting a little bit of bronchitis. I So I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, I just hope it sounds okay, but I'm, I'm <laughs> hanging in there. 
You'll have a have a burlier, manlier voice than you. That's right. That's fine. It's an octave lower right now. Yeah. That's the best part of being sick is like this smoky, sexy voice. (laughs) If you gotta look for an upside, I guess. That's that's a shit podcaster say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Brian, for our audience, which is, I mean, just to kind of fill you in, from what I gather from our huge Facebook group, uh, most of our audience are entrepreneurs who are a little bit younger in their journey, so they haven't been in it for decades. Um, And a lot of them are actually working on a side hustle, kind of going from a day job to their dream job, or maybe they're just in the beginning phases of building their dream job. So um, for those of our audience who isn't entirely familiar with you or Copy Blogger um, or Rainmaker Media, tell us a little bit about yourself and your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, so the type of people who listen to the show are the people I really like because that's exactly where I started. And a lot of times I think people, you know, they'll look at where you are. Oh, you know, he's a CEO of a company that will do $12 million in sales this year. And they're like, oh, that's – I can't do that or that's not me. Well, but you got to go back. <laughs> you got to go back to the beginning when I was absolutely clueless and uh, I was a liberal arts major, went to law school – pretty much knew by my third year of law school that I didn't want to practice law, uh, but did for four years, had bills to pay and and whatnot. Um, But I I really didn't enjoy it. Um, I found out later, I don't like having a job at all, hence the uh, title of my (laughs) podcast. Um, But yeah, I kind of just took a leap because I let myself get too miserable in the job. So I decided I was going to quit and I was going to make a living writing somehow. And if that didn't work out, I'd be a bartender in Austin. And I just said, okay, that's better than practicing law. So that that's a pretty drastic thing to tell your mother. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can but, only imagine. Yeah. So, but instead of writing, uh, you know, novels or, or screenplays or something, I was just fascinated with the young internet. And I was like... You can reach all these people. There's got to be a way to make a, a modest living doing this. And I saw people publishing e-zines, pre-blogs. These were email newsletters um, where you would actually distribute all the content to subscribers by email, uh, which is still pretty smart today, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I floundered around. I was, you know, back then we didn't have – all these courses and conferences and free content telling you everything. It was really make it up as you go along or watch what other people do or some combination of that. But long and short of it, I was trying to make money with advertising because that's what you did with content, right? And then finally, I read a book called Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. You may have heard of that guy. Um, Who? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And Seth's brilliance there was to recognize that the internet is a direct marketing medium in the sense that you can sell things directly to people, not in the scummy direct marketing way. In in fact, that was the gist of permission marketing, which is you can't buy lists like you do with mailing lists. You have to earn. You have to get permission. You have to have the right to contact people. And if you do that correctly with content – then you can build an audience that builds a business. So that was my light bulb moment that I needed something to sell. And what did I have to sell? Well, all I had was a law license. So it was better than starving or bartending. (laughs) So um, 
I set up shop with another email newsletter and it worked. I was getting clients left and right more than I wanted because at that time the first business hadn't gone under yet. So I was just trying to get enough clients like that was my side hustle or the other company was the side hustle. I don't know, but <laughs> it was one thing where I was trying to just keep afloat and the the dynamic I faced was I could have started and built a fairly good sized law firm out of the deal flow that I was getting. But I knew that's not ultimately what I wanted, so I stuck to my guns and, you know, I just kind of picked and chosen among uh, the clients that came in. I got retainer gigs. I got the sweetest deals I could get for the most amount of money for the littlest amount of time so I could continue building the other business. Long and short, the dot-com implosion happened. The first business died, and that was a good thing. Um, from there, I took what I learned about online marketing and content and built two virtual real estate brokerages. Just not that I had a passion for real estate, but I, I knew I could do it and I needed to prove to myself that I could do something entrepreneurial that wasn't law, right? That was, you know, the next step in my journey. Right. So I did that from 2002 to 2005, made a lot of money, more money than if I would have stayed practicing law. Mom was happy about that. She still didn't understand what I did though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that all led up to me starting copy blogger in 2006, explaining what I did to build those businesses without investment, totally bootstrapped, totally virtual. And two years later, that became known as content marketing. Um, we adopted the term for what I had been doing, I guess, since 99. And that's really what led to Rainmaker Digital. Um, I, I launched many companies off of Copyblogger. In 2010, we merged several of them together to build something bigger. And that thing was is the Rainmaker platform, which is our all-in-one um, website and marketing solution. And that really led to the rebranding of the company, from, like you said, from Copyblogger Media to Rainmaker Digital. And here we are. <laughs> I'm I'm curious with all the brand equity. This is you know geeking out here with all the brand equity that you had in Copyblogger. Were you nervous about that rebrand? Well, yes and no. Um, on one hand, there's still Copyblogger.com that didn't change, and that is the brand for that publication that started it all. But as we've grown and passed eight figures last year, and have to have um, conversations in, in financial circles and, and other uh, bigger opportunities, it was clear the name was holding us back, right? It just gave an impression that wasn't accurate to people who don't understand the industry that we're all kind of in, right? So, gotcha. so hopefully people still realize that we're still copyblogger. Um, but I think from a growth perspective, to, to become the company we want to grow into – I think it was it was important to do. I would love to talk a little bit more about online marketing. Um, a lot of creatives feel super icky whenever it comes to selling, especially whenever they're first starting out. Like we get into this job because we want to be creative, right? Um, but to be successful online, you have to sell yourself. Um, I think we need a new word for selling, but let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about selling without feeling icky about it. Um, and maybe how content marketing feeds into that. Yeah. So first of all, I should point out that at the very beginning, what drew me to the internet is that I'm an introvert um, and couldn't sell anything to anyone in the traditional sense that we think of it. 
There was no way I was going to cold call or knock on doors or whatever the stuff that, you know, young brokers do when they start a real estate business. So everyone was like, it's going to take you four years. You're not going to make any money. You're going to starve, but pay your dues and it'll work out. Four months later, you know, it's a very, very profitable company because they just didn't understand the way I was viewing the attraction of buyers. And it was, it was not selly at all. It was all about education. It was teaching them. So first thing I did was specialize. I only worked with buyers. So in one sense, people were like, well, you just cut off half the market, maybe even the better half. It doesn't matter though. I need to get more people to work with me and you actually do that by, by laser focusing. So I knew who I was talking to and I knew their problems and desires. And that's what it all comes down to. And this is what should make everyone feel better about quote unquote selling. It's just empathy. It, it is just understanding their perspective, putting yourself in their shoes and walking the path in their shoes for a little bit. And then you're like, oh, I know how to talk to them. I know what's right. I know how to serve them. You think of yourself as an empathetic servant, you will write great copy, your people will love you, and you'll never feel like a sleazeball. Amen to that. <laughs> that, I think, is such such the missing point with what our people struggle with and this idea where they feel like they should be selling or marketing. Like They use those big, scary business terms for just sharing and empathizing. And I think, I think that sort of reconnection to what it is that we all want to do, because we're, we're not necessarily here to build businesses. We're here to help people and we're here to be creative. So like that bridge of that gap, hopefully all you bosses out there, like get that, that that's the, that's the mindset shift that makes um, content marketing the most effective way for selling and you just being who you are, like, selling what you do for you. Yeah. My business partner, Sonia Simone, it cracks me up. She'll go, look, I know you don't want to do marketing, so let's do this instead. We're just going to figure out who we're talking to, what they want and how we can help them. And then we're going to tell them. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, that's marketing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so do you guys still have conversations like that today? Even, you know, this many years later into it where you're you know all about content marketing and online marketing. Do you still feel like ugh about it? Um, your business partner is telling you like, "Hey, let's just." Oh no, no, no! That's people. how Sonia okay. explains it to marketing of. Oh, people. I see. Yeah, this is okay. how she teaches her her tribe. You know, gotcha. And she actually positioned an entire training course she used to do years ago that way. And of course, people are like, "Oh yeah, I can do that." Well, yeah, okay. It's just it's reframing because. Everyone has this Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross idea of selling that, I mean, I know that still exists in some quarters. Let's not kid ourselves, but it's less and less effective because more and more, even at the, the hardcore B2B level, the prospect is, you know, they're 60% down the road before you even know they're looking. And that's why content is so crucial to actually even be in the conversation. One of the ways that I like to, um, talk about that, that kind of empathy is being psychic for your client. And it's just knowing what they need because you've been there. It's exactly what you said. But I also want to add in that using your own voice and explaining things the way that you would talk in real life is a really great way to be empathetic as well. Yeah, it's a human connection. I mean, if you truly do your homework or, you know, you're a member of the tribe you're, you're trying to serve, which is always 
been helpful to me. Um, you still have to come across like a human being. You can understand them all day long, but if you come across like a you know a spammer or um, very robotic corporate speak, who wants that? I mean, it's the human connection that allows us actually to serve people. But it, it's that w- that's what's also driving them to choose you. It's that you know, no like and trust. That's who we do business with. Totally. I want to rewind a little bit. One of the things that you said when we first started chatting was that you were kind of fumbling around and figuring it all out as you went. And there weren't as many resources available like conferences and online e-courses and um, podcasts, all sorts of free content that helps you figure it out. So I want to talk about this because there's still a certain amount of fumbling it, fumbling around, I think, that um, allows creative entrepreneurs to be authentic or innovative. How much, how much fumbling around do you think is still necessary? Well, now it's the complete opposite problem. There's so much out there and there's so many people effectively saying the same thing in their own way, which is just positioning, which is an aspect of marketing, but it confuses people. And also there's new and shiny syndrome. So I tell people every day, go read permission marketing right now. It's probably 90% of what you need. And they're like, no, that's a 15 year old book, 16, you know, I'm like fundamentals don't change. That's why they're called that. And that's the problem. So for years, people weren't building email lists because some social media pundit who, you know, racked up a bunch of Twitter Twitter followers and became a, a guru, um, said that email's dead. Well, that's not true. That's inaccurate. You know, email converts 40 times greater than social media, the thing that was supposed to kill it. So it's just, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of noise. And sometimes I think people get bad information from maybe well-meaning people who might not have the experience that you want to listen to. I love how you just said that Twitter followers make gurus now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it is because it's kind of true in its own weird way. I'm pausing in case Emily, you have a question. <laughs> I don't, I'm always I don't. like <laughs> just railroading. Um, all right, Brian, I want to ask you, because you've been around for a little while, what are some common patterns that you've seen amongst some successful creative entrepreneurs who are just starting out, or maybe um, creatives who have been around for a while? What are some common patterns there that you see? I think the first stage is learning to tread water. Um, you know, being out on your own for the first time. It's been a long time for me, so I try to revisit the anxiety of those days so I don't forget, <laughs> you know, when you're just like slapping people around going, just do this, this, and this. Come on now, you know, but it's not like that um, because it's more complicated. But once you kind of get, you know, you, you get, you realize you're going to make it. It may not, you may not be making all the money in the world, but, you know, you're making it. That's the biggest transition step that I think we all go through. And my, you know, my growth over time certainly uh, took its sweet time, I guess. But along the way, there were always these epiphanies, this change in thinking. It was more of a change in my mind than it was a change of circumstances. And I went with it each time. 
And I always made that same vow, which was, I, this is what I should do because this is what I'm passionate about. And this is how I want to grow as a person and a business person. And even if I make less money, I'm going to do this. And every time I've done that, I've made exponentially more money because, you know, it just makes sense. You, you've got to be in this for process more than profit. But ironically, the profit comes when you're really into whatever it is you're building. So I think there are a lot of, of creative entrepreneurs and freelancers who would like to build something bigger than themselves. But it's scary, and I get that. But I would highly recommend that, that you try if that's actually your ambition. I think that's a really good point. I think whenever, whenever we talk about business building, which is what we're all, in a sense, here to do, you know, it is like profit, like go where the money is or follow the money or whatever it is. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that with you just giving people permission to, you know, screw money for a second and think about what, it, what process it is that you want to take yeah. to get to whatever end place you want to be um, is more important because that is the place where money follows. Well, it's true. Um, I mean, you have to, you have to be in a field, you know, where money is exchanged, right? But other than that, how you operate within that field um, should be up to your – the thing that makes you happy, right? So um, some designers want to do nothing but design, um, and yet they're doing everything else, <laughs> you know, in, in the, their small freelance business or whatever the case may be. There's nothing wrong with that, but I encourage those people to go, okay, you do that. Now, what if you partnered with, you know, a content or marketing type person so you never have to deal with getting new work? And then how about maybe once that marketing person starts bringing in more than you can handle, have someone take the less interesting, you know, projects. You know, that's how growth happens. It's still completely centered around what you actually want to do. You just allow yourself to think bigger. I, I think that that's a great point. And one of the things that I always tell creatives who are growing is that the one thing that you can't delegate out is your vision. And you have to maintain control of where you want to drive your ship or else someone else that you hire might might take over. So I think it's really important to maintain your vision of what you want, even as you're delegating and growing. Yeah, that's the only reason I still have a job. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about growth. Um, I feel like I'm in one of those transitional places that you described where I'm going from, you know, the hustle and surviving to really being in a good place with growing my business. And um, two things like one, the adjustment of, of being able to kind of sit back and say, hey, like, I've made it. I'm so used to the hustle that I just want to keep hustling. Um, but two, like, I want to talk a little bit about, I'm really curious, and I ask a lot of the guests that come on our show about kind of um, growing your capacity for success or or having, like, a deeper container for that capacity. Like, how do you, how do you handle, you know, eight figures? There's got to be some stress. And I know it sounds like, oh, boo-hoo, but, but there's got to be some, a different kind of stress that comes with growing a business that big. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a great question. And that's kind of what I was referring to in mind shifts, you know. Um, 
for example, when I left the two um, real estate businesses that I was working really too hard, I was great at marketing, bad at processes, so I compensated by working harder, um, and I was really burnt out. I had some other things happen in my life, but again, I kind of got to this point where I realized that I was staying in those businesses because they were profitable and I had, you know, a, a little girl and a, a boy, you know, just born. And there was a lot of should going on in my head. You know, I'd like to do, I'd rather do this, but I should do this. And then, uh, okay, I'll tell you the actual story. I had a snowboarding accident and developed a subdural hematoma. Long story short, I had to have emergency brain surgery. <gasps> and when I woke up from it, all those shoulds were gone. You know, oh, just wow. like like any enlightenment story you've ever heard, it was the same thing. Now, I don't know if it was the operation or or something else, but I just realized I was a prisoner in my own mind. And I just said, nope, no more. And that was, again, one of those decisions where I'm like, what I like to do is is write, create content, do marketing, come up with businesses. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out a way to get, you know, to finally build a real organization. And that's exactly what happened. So it, is there more, uh, it, it's a different kind of scenario now when I have 62 plus families that I feel, you know, before I had an obligation to my family without realizing that I had an obligation to be a happy daddy first, right? To be, to not come home upset, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, so that's, I very much can imagine Yeah, <laughs> as a new mom myself. So now I have more obligation if you think of it that way. And yet totally. I have it in the context of the role of, that I'm good at. So, and I've got really good people who are good at what they do and that's why it's okay. I love that. So it kind of comes down to in a way, thinking more about being of service rather than how can I grow this thing? Yeah, I again, number one, I don't know any really successful entrepreneur who does it for the money after a certain point. I mean, money's great. We love money, right? But, you know, it, it can't be the thing that drives you or you're going to be a very unhappy person. Um, it has to be about doing the thing and then doing it better the next year or doing it uh, grander or more ambitious or whatever the case may be, whatever drives you. Um, I tell people all the time, pre-merging the companies in 2010, I had a great life and I made a lot of money, pretty much the same amount of money I make now. But I wanted to do it not for money. I wanted to do it because I wanted to build something bigger than I could do otherwise. And that's what's driven this whole thing. I never had this aspiration one day where I sat there and said, you know what, I want to run a virtual company with employees all over the world, makes eight figures in revenue. That was never, that never entered my mind. It, I, I just never even imagined that. If I could be happy and support my family, that's all I ever asked for. It just, every year it gets a little better though. I love that. Um, so I'm curious about talking to the creatives who are still working a day job and they want to make a leap to freelance or build their own dream job. And I know it's been a while, how long, 17 years that you've been in the game for yourself, but 
Um, maybe just from the work that you're sharing, what advice would you give to a creative entrepreneur who is still working that day job, but hustling on the side and they're, they're really wanting to build their own thing and go it on their own. Yeah. If your day job is effectively the skill set that you'd like to start freelancing with, I think it's easier than ever. I mean, do you guys agree with that in the sense that the way technology is shifting and, and, uh, companies have to be more agile and on-demand work is, is, is kind of valued if you, if you have the right person. So it seems to me that, uh, working remotely is more traditional now and freelancing. I mean, uh, the economic downturn created a lot of freelancers, maybe not voluntarily, but if that's what you're aiming to do, I think it's easier to get some stable gigs, maybe even with your own current employer than it's ever been. But I, I really want to hear what you two think about this because <laughs> you've really got your finger on this. You know, it has been a while for me. Yeah. I mean, I recently saw, I'm always quoting statistics and they're always wrong or bad, but I'm pretty sure that <laughs> Freelancer Union... Okay, let me write this down. <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure that Freelancer Union um, recently put out an article or quoted the statistic that I think 50% of the workforce now is freelance. And so I just think it's really interesting. I think that there's more flexibility than ever. I also... You know, I never tell anyone to quit their job. And I feel like a lot of people come to Emily and myself because we have a podcast called Being Boss with needing permission to quit their job. And I'm never going to give it to them because um, I think, one, it's a decision that you have to really want and really make for yourself because sometimes working for yourself um, alone is not enough to sustain the dream, right? You end up having to wear a lot more hats than you thought that you might have had to. Um, so, I mean, this is just to say that I think that people who are in a dream or in a day job, one, like start working in a, at a day job that does help you build the skill set that you want. So then basically it's training. Someone is paying you um, to learn how to do what you need to do on your own. Yeah. But second, I think that the best part about having a day job is it allows you to be really selective and build your dream portfolio on the side, whatever it is that you're doing, only work on the stuff. Don't take on side hustle gigs um, just to prove that you can make some money. Take on the side hustle gigs that allow you to really do the creative work that you really want to be doing that yeah, you're really I, proud of. That so is, that's kind of that's my such advice. Good advice because the, yeah, it's the same thing. Side hustle to get some extra cash because you know, you want to buy nice gifts for Christmas. Okay. I get it. That's very, you know, reward oriented. Um, but psychology studies show that that type of behavior isn't what makes you happy. It's doing stuff that you would do, whether there was money involved or not, that makes you happy. And if you can marry those two together, then that's the perfect recipe. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think that now more than ever, it's, just easier to do it and it's easier because there are tools that allow you to do it really easily i mean squarespace right now is is ridiculously easy for people to set up websites and you know with online marketing which is you know something content marketing specifically like sharing your expertise and in, in something like twitter or instagram or whatever like you can find your tribe really easily lots of people are doing it without officially 
you know, being a full-time freelancer or whatever. We had um, Scott and Elise Grice from Hey Sweet Pea on the podcast a couple of months ago, and she started her branding business whenever she was working at Sony, um, hanging out on Twitter all day. <laughs> like she didn't have anything to do at her at her main job, so she spent her days on Twitter, like cultivating this. I hope Sony people. isn't listening to this <laughs> <laughs> or that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's so possible to do it. And I think, um, I don't know with our tribe of people, I think they come to being boss for that inspiration that, that they can be their own boss and to like help feed them to, to, um, I guess talking themselves into it more than anything. So it, I guess at that point, it's not the tools and it's not the ease with which we can do things because of all the available information and, and platforms and all that stuff out there. It's, it's that permission piece that they have to give themselves to actually take the leap and do it um, and to not feel guilty that they're like cheating on their main hustle <laughs> with this <laughs> well, side Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, we're, we've always been completely bootstrapped. All of my businesses have. And it's not that different, really. You know, all of... For example, in the early days of Copyblogger, I didn't have any products or services. I was still figuring that out. So I launched a video site that was kind of back in 2006. YouTube was all the rage, but it hadn't been acquired by Google yet. We knew it was going to. So we started a video tutorial site knowing that there was a lot of mania going on. Six months later, we sold it for low six figures, and I used that money. I split with a partner. Um to make it and and quit doing my own side projects to just make money and I could focus 100% on Copyblogger. Then we created our first product, went from zero to you know six figures in a week, seven figures in a year, and it was all beginning. But you do, even serial entrepreneurs or portfolio entre entrepreneurs, which means you run more than one company at a time, we're always doing something in order to do something else. So on the way to building the Rainmaker platform, because we didn't have a boatload of VC money to rely on, we built all the parts, such as hosting and, and design and plugins and all of this kind of stuff, and we sold them separately. So we fed a market, the WordPress space, with a la carte pieces, while and that gave us the money we needed to continue development on the bigger thing. So it's not really that different. It's just a different context. We're all doing a side hustle for one thing or another, unless you go get in bed with Satan. I mean, VCs, <laughs> <laughs> which I shouldn't say because one day I may, you know, who knows? But uh, for now, I can say that. <laughs> I love that you say that, though. Emily and I even did a podcast on running a debt-free business because that's something that we definitely value. Um, and it's funny because we both have our main gigs being braid creative and indie shopography, but we even consider this podcast our side hustle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you are always doing something, um, hopefully that fuels your passion and makes you happy. And I want to talk about happiness a little bit because that's a theme that keeps coming up a little bit. And I was really inspired by Stefan Sagmeister whenever he, um, he always takes a, one year sabbatical every seven years, which is daring in itself. And he has a TED talk on that. Um, but he did this happiness project where even though he was his own boss, he was becoming increasingly unhappy doing his work. And I find that this happens with a lot of creative entrepreneurs, sometimes even within the first year 
of um, quitting their day job and building their dream job just because it's a lot more work than they expected. Um, you know, and maybe it's just different than they expected. Um, so anyway, I want to talk a little bit about happiness and I'm not really sure what question to ask other than um, it seems like you value happiness a lot. What are some things that you do to sustain happiness um, and maybe even in like a work-life balance, even though that's a myth, as we all know. <laughs> yes. But uh, <laughs> like, tell us a little bit more about happiness. And so it's interesting. So for the, the last, I don't know, 42 weeks, I've written an email newsletter called Further. And that is just a side project. It doesn't make money. I don't care really if it does. Um, but that word further came to me um, kind of out of thinking I was messed up. Um, that, that I couldn't, I was never happy in the way I thought I was supposed to be happy. I was only happy. I only felt intense joy outside of my wife and children and, and things like that. But when I was starting something new or when I had a new idea and I was sitting there, my mind is working out, how can I do this? And I'm like, you're messed up. I mean, you are perpetually <laughs> dissatisfied, you know, and this is the curse of human nature. So I was a psychology major in college, so I've always, you know, obviously over the years, it's been more marketing focused lately. Um, but I really went back into into the psychology of happiness, and I found out that, believe it or not, I'm kind of well-adjusted at this. You know, I mean, uh, if you read the book Drive by Dan Pink, the, the context of that was employment and what, you know, motivates people. But it's really what motivates people in general. It's self-determinism or intrinsic motivation, which is what we talked about earlier. Doing things that you would do if there were no money or no reward, you just like to do it, right? And it's these personal projects that we do. Chris Gillibo calls them quest. You know, his quest was to visit every, um, you know, country on the planet. He did it. It took him 11 years, I think. Um, you don't do that for money or you just do that to do that. And those are the type of things that make us happy. So my only concern about people who are eyeing the entrepreneurial world based on, you know, the perceived status. I mean, we face it, we really celebrate entrepreneurs right now, almost to a fault, because as you said, it's not for everyone. So why are you doing it? Are you doing it for status? Are you doing it for money? Or is there something that brings you joy just in the doing? Because when it gets tough, you know, the dreams of the status and the money aren't going to keep you going. I mean, it, certain people have that kind of willpower. I don't think I do. I have to really be into it to do it. And that is the thing. Happiness uh, is not a destination. It's uh, a way of travel. I could not agree more. One of the things I've recently found about happiness is that um, doing the things that generate energy are what make me happy. So like happy is the byproduct of doing the work that yes. energizes me. Yes, that's absolutely dead on. Oh, I want to get that like tattooed on my arm. Can I do that? <laughs> you I'll can try do whatever you want. In fact, I'll try I think and find a way to say happy. it a little bit more eloquently if you get it tattooed on your arm. Yeah, we, we'll copy edit that one. I right. like that. <laughs> All right, Brian. Um, I'm curious if you have any cautionary tales that you'd like to share. I mean, we've been kind of chatting back and forth about 
some of it, but is there anything that maybe, um, I hate the word failure because I feel like a lot of us have the mindset where it's learning experiences versus failure, but any cautionary tales or failures that you would like to um, share that we can learn from as we're going from a, a phase of Emily and I, myself specifically, going from a phase of just starting out to really starting to settle into our work and grow it. Yeah, um, I think success is more dangerous than failure. Um, you learn quite a bit and you grow quite a bit as a person by trying something and maybe it not working out. But when you succeed, you're elated and you start living a certain lifestyle based on a certain income. Now that could have trapped me at being an attorney and that's generally how they trap young attorneys. They're, they're like, oh, wait, are you engaged? Awesome. Is your wife pregnant? Awesome. You know, I mean, because they know you're not going anywhere. I was lucky that I left before any of that happened. Um, but it happened again with the two real estate companies. I mean, I had a very nice life. I had a family that depended on me. Um, and I could have let that material aspect of it paint me into a corner and trust me, I would be miserable and I wouldn't have the relationship I have with my children. Just don't paint yourself in a corner because what you consider to be success right now, you know, it, it could be exponentially bigger than that, but you're not doing it for, for the, the monetary reward necessarily. What you're trying to do as you grow your business is, is become the person you're meant to be. And I know that sounds a little philosophical, but it's true. I mean, this is, this is how it works, especially if you're at the beginning of your journey. And I just had the, the benefit of hindsight looking back over 17 years. And I kind of, uh, you know, I even miss the early me because I look back and, and, and saw all the hopes and dreams and fears and anxiety. And it's easy to kind of chuckle at that. But at the same time, you have to realize that that journey, is, you know, you become what you do, right? So choose carefully. Oh, so good. So much wisdom here. Um, and that's really a lesson that I'm, I feel like I'm going through right now because I'm at a place where my business is making good money. Um, even being boss is doing really well. And it can become easy to get addicted to the metrics and not even just money, but sometimes Instagram likes. Um, <laughs> and you start to place a certain amount of, I don't know if it's worth, but it, it almost feels like an addiction. You're like, okay, how can I get more? And then you forget what you, uh, you, you start serving money versus serving um, your your tribe. Yeah, that's another that's another issue that happens. You know, you could paint yourself into a corner where you're not growing anymore. But I've also seen people. This is much more common. Take their eye off the ball, and then all of a sudden, they're not doing all that well at this thing anymore. Not to mention the fact that perhaps they missed the next phase that they were supposed to go to. Totally. Um, Emily, do you have any other questions for Brian? I, I, we always end with a, a fun question about how, or any advice you have for people who, um, who just want to be boss. Well, as I think both of you mentioned, um, so when I started Copyblogger, it's interesting. I, I was naive in that, um, I was a person who could write, who became an entrepreneur. So I wanted to turn all writers into entrepreneurs. 
And that was pretty myopic of me. It's a very <laughs> different personality type. I mean, <laughs> um, and that's why I'm, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to hire and work with so many talented writers because they like the environment that uh, I've provided. So that was one of those instances where you are part of a tribe and yet you're different and you don't see it. And then you try to impress upon others uh, or you get frustrated with other people because they won't act like you do. So now with Unemployable, I make it quite clear that I, I don't mind if you listen, if, you're, if you haven't quit yet, but you'll never hear me tell you to because that is not up to me and that is not my decision. And frankly, if you're going to do it, if you are unemployable, you, that, there's no way that job will keep you, right? That's my philosophy. So I don't want to discourage anyone, but I love talking to people who are out there, you know, whether they're treading water or swimming laps, they're doing it on their own. Doers, I love, you know. So nothing wrong with dreaming, but if you're really meant to do it, you're going to do it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun, and uh, I still enjoyed our conversation on, on branding. That episode did really well, so good for you. Oh, good. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and um, our listeners can find that over at Unemployable, and we'll include all the links in the show notes. Where else can we find more from you, Brian? So, of course, there is Copyblogger if you're interested in um, learning or getting better at what we call content marketing, you, you know, providing valuable content that also builds your business. Uh, we have a bunch of free ebooks that you can find over there and register for, which is a, a really good starter education. Um, we have a podcast network now called Rainmaker.fm. So if you're more the audio, audio type, uh, which I would suspect a lot of people on listening to this are, um, you may want to check that out. It, it covers a lot of the same uh, stuff, um, but if you're if you're kind of a total newbie to content marketing, I would go get the eBooks and and build off of that foundation, and then come over there and listen in. But yeah, those are our two main um, content platforms. We obviously sell a bunch of stuff as well, but we love to educate first, see if it goes anywhere from there. Hey bosses, I'm going to take a second to interrupt this episode to tell you that if you're liking being boss and you're ready to level up your game, we've got something just for you. Check out the Being Boss Bundle. It's Kathleen's DIY Coaching for Creatives and my Get Your Shit Together series bundled together at one low price just for you bosses. You can find that at lovebeingboss.com bundle. If you like being boss, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at lovebeingboss.com, where you'll get episode worksheets, secret content, and other goodies delivered straight to your inbox every week. Again, that's lovebeingboss.com. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.